That is one serious introduction. Come on. How many of you are not sure what's going to happen right now? But it's serious. Come on. I'm so glad you're here today. Are you all having a good time at church today? Come on. I'm having a great, great time. And we're kicking off a new series here. I'm going to tell you, today is like the, uh, it's like the first day of school for me. And uh, whenever we kick off groups, it's like one of my favorite days. I mean, it's not, it's not equal to Christmas or Easter, don't get me wrong. But it's an exciting day because it's new. So I got up this morning, I put, this is my best rendition of my first day of school shirt. This is my best one I got. So I said, how, how could I dress like the first day of school? So I said, okay, I'm going to do this here. And so, um, so first day of school, it's exciting. How many of y'all remember first day of school? Yeah, it's a, it, how many of y'all thought it was exciting? Man, about less than, less than a quarter here. Okay. Yeah, come on. It was exciting, right? See friends. You, um, a little bit of apprehension. Like that's how groups are. You get signed up for a group. Who am I going to sit by? Who, who's go, what kind of food's going to be there? Are they going to have food? What's, what's this going to be like? Am I right? Come on. Two, two important days in school. First day of school, how many of y'all like the last day of school better? Come on, somebody, yeah. I see a lot more hands right there. For those of you listening at home, a lot more. But there's a little bit of apprehension, a little bit of, a little bit of this, but I'm just telling you, I hope you're going to get signed up for a group today and, and, uh, and, and do life with some, some, some people and enjoy the Word of God as well. We're kicking off this great series, uh, The Fear of of God, the fear of God sounds ominous. Sounds like serious, and and you know, just like the first day of school, I I something I learned about the fear of God. I learned through actually one of the people who helped impart to me. He was my second grade teacher. Believe it or not, I can remember my second grade teacher. Okay, and uh, she she lived in Level Green. I was in Level Green Elementary School, and she would uh, she was a real frail little lady, just ready to ready to retire after all those years and. And every, every morning, she would pull, she would drag a chair out, and she would put the chair out in front of her desk, and she would sit down, she would get one of those big old Bibles. You know what I'm talking about? One of those big, like the kind the Apostle Paul used. You know what I'm saying? Like one of those big Bibles. Like, and she would put it on her lap, and she would sit there, and she would say, and she would open it, and she goes, I know. And it was right about the time, you know, you're not allowed to read the Bible in school anymore. And she said, I know I'm not allowed to read the Bible. She goes, but we're reading the Bible in my class. And she would open that Bible, and she would begin reading from it every morning. And I, I just, that, made, that made such an impact in my life. But you know, some of the best teachers in, that maybe you remember in school, they didn't demand respect, but they had your respect. They had respect and honor from you, right? But it didn't, take, it didn't detract from their love or care from you. It was both a love and a respect and that you learn from them, and it was a great environment for learning. You know, I, I just really believe that our God in heaven is a God who, who when we fear him, when we give him respect and honor, yet he, it, he doesn't lose the aspects of who he is as a loving God. The loving God and the fear of God go together, and it makes up who he is, and we can follow him and learn from him and glean and grow from him. And that's the journey we're going to take here. So here's the big idea that we're going to uncover uh, over the next three weeks, and, and I'm telling you, I'm enjoying this. I'm already enjoying studying the fear of God so much. I'm thinking maybe we'll just keep going with it. I don't know. But uh, so here it is. Here's the big idea. The fear of God, those who fear God will do three things. They'll love what God loves, hate what he hates, and they will live 
as, as if they will stand before God and give an account. Those are the, that's the simplest way I can explain the fear of God. You, you love what he loves, you hate what he hates, and you live like you're going to stand before God and give an account. Okay, and that's really what we're going to uncover. And today is really all about like loving what God loves. And it's easy to say like, hey, love what God loves. And I believe that when you leave here today, not only signed up for a group, but when you leave here today, you're going to have a better understanding of what it means to love what God loves. How many of y'all could use a little bit more of that? Come on. I want to know every, everything about that. So we are going to launch from uh, two verses in the Old Testament in a book called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Now, in this book, uh, many people, tradition tells us that Solomon wrote this book. Um, many, many people in that tradition say Solomon, one of the wisest of all time, wrote, wrote that book. You read a lot about Solomon's life in 1 Kings uh, 4, actually through chapter 11. Solomon was the wisest of wise, wealthiest of wealthies, uh, servants, accomplishments, everything he touched turned to gold. Like one of those people. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, they kind of irritate you. Okay, no, yeah. But, um, so, so many people ascribe it to him, but it's written a lot in the third person, which gives evidence that probably somebody used the sayings of Solomon, a lot of them found in the book of Proverbs, and came to some conclusions about his life, the things he wrote, and put it into this book about what is the meaning of life. Like, 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 how many people are young here? Very good. See those hands. How many people are old? How many people? You're not sure where you are, but you're here. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where I fit right now, but I'm, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. And so, really, in, in Ecclesiastes, it says, "When I was young and when I was old, and everything in between, I'm searching for the meaning of life." And I don't know, maybe you're in a high, high today, and you're just really experiencing life, and life is good. Or maybe you're in the low, low, where you're like Solomon was in 1 Kings 11, where things weren't going well. Or maybe somewhere in between. I believe there's something that we can glean and, and grow from the, from the fear of God today. And we're going we're gonna to help you with that. So, so here at the end of 12 chapters, the last two verses in Ecclesiastes, the very last two verses here, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, that's the whole story. Now, to get the whole story, you'd have to read all the first chapter, first 12 chapters here. So he says, this is the whole story. He sums it up. Don't you like cliff notes? Speaking of school, don't you like, like, just tell me what I need to know. Come on. And so here it is. Hey, here's my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us. For everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Here it is. Listen. Listen, this is all. When you're searching for the meaning of life, here it is. Right here, these two verses. Say, look, like, fear God, obey his commandments, and, and, and know God's going to judge everything you do. How many of you, that, that, that sums it all up, right? Now, if you're shaking your head, yeah, that's a sign you're getting older. Come on. That's good. Come on. Come on, you're right though. It's like just obey God. Like fear him, know him, experience him. That's what it's about. Now to, to understand this though, in the first six verses of chapter 12, seven times there's words that say, remember your creator. Remember your creator. Remember your creator. If we want to understand the fear of God, we have to remember our creator. See, we, I don't know about you, but we sang, 
We sang some songs today. They were beautifully done. I loved every one of them. Really, they really ministered to my heart. I don't know about you, but they ministered to my heart. They really just helped me. I'm a trust in God and glory to God and holy to God. I don't know about you, but sometimes my rememberer gets broken. And I, I, need, I, need, to, I, need, to, I need to reset my rememberer. How about you? Am I right? You know what singing songs like we do? It helps us remember. It helps us remember who we worship, who we honor, who we serve, who God is. Even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going to declare who he is, even in the midst sometimes of my doubt. Because that's what we're doing. We're remembering. So if we're going to have the fear of God, we have to remember who God really is. We have to remember him. The fear of the Lord grows in direct proportion to our understanding of his greatness, of his greatness. Here's another verse for you, Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yeah, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It doesn't mean that you've arrived there. It means we begin there. So to understand life, to understand knowledge, to understand wisdom, we grab a hold of the fear of God because it unwraps all those things. Actually, in the weeks to come, we're going to be sharing more verses with you about how it not only is the beginning of wisdom, about how it matures us in our wisdom. And if we want to grow in maturity in our relationship with God, we, 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 we grow in the fear of God. And listen, I want to grow in the fear of God. But we have to shake off all of our mindsets that we have, that the fear of God is damaging and, and, and controlling and it's horrible and it's detrimental. No, the fear of God is healthy. It's healthy. Over 200 times in the Bible, there's, it talks about the fear of God, a healthy fear that helps us. And I want to grow in that fear here. So here, let's, let's look at a definition. Now, first of all, I just, want to, I just want to mention a book to you. Mention a book. Actually, one of our groups are going to be doing this, doing this book, The Awe of God. And um, I don't know about you, but I want to grow in the awe of God. I really do. I want to grow in awe and adoration. I want to grow in everything he is. Because he is just so, so great. Come on, I want to grow in all that. And, and, and so I'm just mentioning this book because some of the quotes I use are going to be out of this book, and I know what's going to happen. Some of you are going to read this book, and you're going to send me an email. Say, Pastor Rick, you're reading out of this book. And I'm going to say, yeah, I did. I'm just telling you that right now. I read some of it. You know what? And I read some words of Jesus. I use his. I use some of the Apostle Paul's words. I use some of the words in Ecclesiastes. I use a whole bunch of words. I'm just letting you know where I got them all. Come on. Come on. There we go. I know where to get me some wisdom. How about you? And so I'm just kind of just, just mentioning that to you. So here's, here's a definition of the fear of God. Here it is. It's to revere and to be in complete awe of him. Church, at Bridge City Church, I never want our church to lose the awe of God. I never want us to lose the awe and the reverence to God. Hallowed be thy name. Holy respect of God. We want to be a house that honors God. What are we going to do? And this is always a question we ask our leadership teams. What honors God? Whatever honors God, that's what we do. Whatever brings him glory, that's what we do. That's literally a question we ask a lot. What honors God? That's what we're going to do. 
to esteem, to honor, to adore. Yeah, it's the, now listen, this is it. It's to take on God's heart and we love what he loves and hate what he hates. It's to take on the heart of God in such a deep way that I love what he loves and I hate what he hates. Yeah, and it's living in obedience, knowing that we're going to stand before God. That is the fear of God. That's as simplest as I can boil it down for you right there. See, it's, it's not this. See, let me just say this. Fear, the, when you have a healthy fear of God, it draws you in. It doesn't push you away. No, you've got to catch that. When I have a healthy fear of God, it draws me to him. It pulls me into him. It's not like, ah, he's out to get me. Like, I, 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 my first definition I had of the fear of God as a young believer decades ago was a dread terror of displeasing God. That was my, that was my concept. It was a dread terror. And I guess there is an aspect that we should, we should have a terror of displeasing God. There's an element of truth there, but it's his love that pulls me in. And, and, and it's his love that pulls me there. Yeah, it's not just the dread terror of displeasing him. How about this? How about if we flip the script and said, I want to have a terror, or I want to tremble at the possibility of losing his presence. For when I lose him, I have a terror of that. I don't want to lose who God is. I don't want to lose him. Every one of us in this room, if we followed God over three months, there's going to be a time where God feels far away. Am I right? It happens to me. But the fear of God pulls me back in. I adore him. I worship him. I sense him and I sense his pleasure and, and, and presence. So here's a quote for you. Here it is. This is a good tweetable point for you. We must fear God out of love, not love him out of fear. We must fear God out of love, not love him out of fear. Yeah, and that again, that pulls me in. That draws me closer. That I see him for who he is. So, so the rest of our time together today, I just want to help uncover what is it that God loves? Like if we say, it's one thing to say this is what God loves, but it's a whole other thing to actually identify. You know, my, my wife Natalie, I can say, well, you know, I, I, I know some things she loves, but if I never love what she loves and I never do that for her, it's just a bunch of head knowledge. Am I right? Yeah, but I want to love what he loves and I want to line myself up with that because I believe there's a blessing there. So I'm not going to tell you this is, this is all conclusive. I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to tell you everything about the love of God. I'm just going to tell you five things. Our whole, our whole teaching team, we worked on this for, we've been working and working at this and just boiled it down as much as we could into five things without giving you 15. Okay, so the best, we, best I can do in the rest of my time together, I'm going to give you five things that I believe if we would, the fear of God, I'm going to love what he loves. How many of y'all want to love what God loves today? Come on, I want to love what he loves. I want to learn what that means. And this is, this is where I'm going to start. So here we go. Number one, God loves 
those who fear him. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm to fear God and love him, and if I love, fear him, he loves me. How many of y'all that just messed with your mind a little bit right there? Come on. You just, I can see some of your faces. Well, yeah, something happened there. Yeah, okay, well, let's look at Psalm 103. Verse 11 there, his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He's removed our sins far from us, from the east is from the west. So his unfailing love is for those who fear him. So if I want to experience his unfailing love, I fear him, I revere him, I respect him, I honor him, I hallowed him, right? And then he shows me his unfailing love. I don't know about you, but I, I could use all the unfailing love of God I can get. So it's the fear of God that brings that. So I, the more I fear him, the more I know his love. Not him as a taskmaster, but him as a loving father who still has standards and, 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 and rules that we, that we line up with because, again, I know I'm going to stand before him in the end. So let me, let me try to c- communicate it to you this way here. Proverbs 15, 9. The Lord detests the wicked, but he loves those who pursue, okay, so if I pursue godliness out of fear, he loves that. No, no, see, like, I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. It's like when I pursue, and what that means is that means hunt down. That means I'm going to hunt it down. I'm going to chase it. I'm going to pursue it. How many of you ladies have ever pursued a sale at the store? How many of y'all going to find one? Come on, am I right? How many of you guys are hunters out there? Come on, you're gonna, I'm going to hunt something. I'm going to kill, well, I'm not say animals. I'm talking about animals, okay? Uh, yeah, come on. Come on, you're going to chase it down. You're going to hunt it. You're going to look for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase after godliness. Wouldn't it be great if everybody said, oh, you're from that Bridge City Church. I know that you're the one who are chasing down godliness. You're one of the ones chasing down pursuing godliness. You're pursuing who God really is. Now, that doesn't mean perfection, but that means we're pursuing. Is that good? So so let's, okay, what does godliness mean? Let me just give you a few examples. How about forgiveness? I say this in marriage all the time. In marriage, you're never more like Jesus than you are when you're forgiving. How many of y'all want to be like Jesus? That's, that's the heart of God. So you're never as more like him when you're forgiving. How many of y'all are just pursuing forgiveness? Chasing it down. Hunting it. I want to find me some forgiveness. No, literally. How about humility? Isn't humility as godliness? It seems in the Bible... God is drawn to humility. James 4, 6 through 10, 1 Peter 5, 6. He's vehemently opposed to, to pride, but he gives favor and grace to the humble. So it looks to me like how many of us, 
Man, I'm just looking, what are you looking for today? What are you looking for? I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for some humility. You know when you walk into a store and, and one of the clerks say, can I help you? Wouldn't it be great you look at them and say, I'm looking for humility. I'm looking for some humility today. And if you don't have that, I'm going to find me some forgiveness. And then I'm just going to open up my Bible and go to Galatians 5, all the fruit of the Spirit, all of it there, loving kindness, long-suffering, joy, peace, love. Come on, I'm going to pursue all those things. So when you pursue those things, God loves that. He rewards those who diligently seek him, Hebrews eleven six. Are you seeing the theme there? I want to be a pursuer. I want to hunt them down. I want to chase them down like never before. So number one, what does God love? Those who fear him and pursue him. You got that? You ready for number two? This is low-lying fruit here. Number two, he loves a cheerful giver. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, Jared read this, he read this or quoted it to you this morning already, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, you should decide in your heart how you give. Don't give reluctantly a response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives. Yeah. So what does cheerful mean? Willing, good nature, joyfully ready. I'm ready to give. I'm ready to sacrifice. Now, in context, this really is talking about money. But I think this should mark our whole lives. The more I know God is generous, the more I become generous. The more I see him is, is, is omnipresent and omniscient and he, he owns everything, the more I become in love with him and the more I, I just like, I can't help but be generous. See, the more I know him and the more I experience him, and so people all t- tell me, Pastor, sometimes God feels far away. It's true. I- I'll be the first in that line. And I tell people, well, just become a cheerful giver. <laughs> God won't be far away. He loves that stuff. No, no, see, but we don't think that way. These are the things God loves. Good? So the first one, pursue godliness. Love God. You pursue godliness. Fear him. His unfailing love is there. Number two, a cheerful giver. I'm ready to be generous. Okay, Let's keep going here. Number three, people. Yeah. There, there's three, three kinds of people I want to I mention to you. First is, is people far from God. I don't know where you are with, with God today. You might be far from God. You might be close or somewhere in between. I don't know where you are right now, but I'm just going to tell you this. God loves those who are far from him. He really does. First John 4. This is real love. Not that we loved God. Yeah, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. In Romans 5, 8, it says, Before we were, while we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus to die for us. Isn't that pretty cool? I mean, you, you think about it. God in heaven took a big risk on us. He did. No, think about that. There was no guarantee here. But he sent Jesus to be a representation. And so God loves people far from him. John 3.16, red letters, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Come on, he loves those far from him. And that's why at Bridge City Church, we love those who are far from God. They're not our enemy. The devil is the enemy. The devil is the one with the, with the, 
with a mission statement to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil wants to destroy people. God wants to give them life and give us life, right? And that's why at Bridge City Church, we exist so that as many people as possible, that's right, as many people as possible will begin a relationship with God. Why? Because God loves people far from God, so we do too. So we're going to do everything we can, to everything short of sin, to reach people for Jesus. How many are in? Because God loves that. He loves that. I believe that's where he, he loves. I believe that's where he wants to bless. Well, let's look at the other kind of people God loves. God loves his church. Believe it or not, God loves church people. No, he does. He loves church people. Yeah. Yeah, Ephesians 5, there's this illustration here. And it's husbands. This means love your wives just as Christ loved the? What he love? And he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. I thought you were going to get excited about that. yeah, 2 Corinthians 11, 2, he's coming back for his bride. Now, I'll be honest, as a, as a guy, I have trouble sometimes understanding the whole bride thing. But I do know this, that Jesus is coming back for his church, referenced here in Ephesians 5, in 2 Corinthians 11, as the bride of Christ. I want to be a part of that pure, holy church. Jesus is coming back for his church. Come on, that's what he's coming back for. And as much as he loves you, he's coming back for his people. And I want, to be, I want to be part of that people. I was talking to somebody right after the first, right after the first worship time. And she was just so excited. She was just talking to me about Jesus. And she's one of his people now. And she's telling people about Jesus. And I was like, you got it. I says, you go. And don't stop. She was so excited. And I, was, I got excited too. I was like, can't wait to get out of church and go tell people about Jesus. Come on, because he loves us, his people. He's working his word in us and cleansing us and bringing all that stuff out. So he loves people far from God. He loves his church. But guess who else he loves? You. Look at your neighbor and say, you. Look at him and say, and after you say, you, look at your neighbor and say, yeah, you. Yeah, look, look at your neighbor. Come on. Yeah, he even, you. Yeah, see, I don't want to forget this because this is one of the things most Christians have the hardest time understanding in their lives. Understand that God loves them. So, he, so God loves those who fear him, those who pursue him. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves people. And let's look at this next one. God loves unity. God loves unity. Yeah, so, uh, Psalm 133. Um, Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in Unity. Then at the last part there, for the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Listen, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all would like to be in a place where God commands a blessing over you? Not that you're asking for one, but he's commanding one. I want you to think about this. Like this is as if God, this is the picture I have of this. Just me. God's up in heaven saying, I'm going to bless you whether you like it or not. No, I'm going to, no, you don't understand. I'm blessing. I'm blessing you. 
How many of y'all think that'd be a great thing? I think that'd be so cool to be in a place where God commands, bless them. Not that, see, this, is, this reverses the whole, like, God, would you bless me? God, would you help me? God, I, if you'd see fit. You no, know, God blesses. He releases a blessing on unity. And see, he's drawn to humility, and he's drawn to unity. He's drawn to it. 1 Corinthians uh, 1.10. 1.10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony. Yeah, live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Okay, let me talk about two different words here. The first one is harmony. I don't know if you caught it this morning. I really, man, I caught it this morning. Uh, Rachel and Stephanie, yeah, I was was trying to remember who I was singing. They were singing in some harmony today. I don't know if you caught it, but I caught it. As a matter of fact, it was so good that the way they were singing, I didn't want to sing because I didn't want to mess it up. How many of y'all have ever been there? Like, I know if I start singing, I'm going to mess this up, okay? And, and so I literally, it was like one of those moments. I was just worshiping here, and I just got real quiet because I thought, this is too good. I just need to be quiet right now. And I honored God. I was still in reverence. I wasn't wandering. My mind wasn't, I was just still thinking about the words, and they were just, it was like as if the word of God was coming on me right now. That's harmony. But you know what has to happen in harmony? You have to literally, that word means to lay down in agreement. That means if you take it one step further, you have to lay down what you want for another. Rachel had to lay down what she wanted. Stephanie had to lay down what she wanted and do what helped the other person. Why am I telling you this? Because we confuse agreement and unity too much. Agreement is like that harmony. I'm going to lay down. That's good. But agreement is of the soul. My will, my emotions, my decisions are going to be laid down. Unity is unity of the spirit. Unity is when you become one. God blesses unity. Write down uh, Acts chapter 4, 32 through the rest of the chapter, actually 30 through the rest of the chapter. It talks about when they were of one mind and one heart, that they were powerful things happened. Acts chapter 2, when they were in one accord, the Holy Spirit showed up in a great way. It seems to me that whenever there's unity, powerful stuff happens. So let me help you with what is unity. Are you with me? See, see, you can have agreement, but that's not necessarily unity. I have to lay down what I want and be in harmony, but then unity is when it becomes a spiritual something. So this is what it really means. This is what it means. It means you've got to be in sync. And, 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 and if that, or maybe, how about this? You've got to go in one direction. How about one direction? Is that good? You've got to go in one direction. You've got to be in sync or one direction. You've got to be one or the other here. But, you gotta get, but literally, that's what those words mean. In, in Acts 4, that's really the thing. So, we're, so God seems to bless. God seems to love. God seems to show up in the form of the Holy Spirit in times where there's unity. So what does God love? He loves those who fear him. He, um, God loves those who pursue godliness. He loves those who are cheerful givers. He loves people. He loves unity. You ready for number five? Are you ready for number five? Can you handle number five? Are you ready for number five? Come on, are you ready? 
Number five, here we go. He loves those who obey him. He loves those who obey him. Red letters right here, red letters. God loves obedience. Those who accept my commandments, these are Jesus, and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Oh, this is, now there's many, many of the groups are they're doing experiencing God, and th- this verse is expounded so big in experiencing God. Oh, it is so cool. Reveal means to, to make known. It's to make manifest, visible, to shine upon, to be intimately known. Do you know what God wants us to do? He wants, us to, he wants to be intimately known by us. This says that when we take a step of obedience, he shows up and reveals himself. And many times we're like, well, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. No, no, none of us do that. How about I do that? No, I'm serious. Sometimes we make deals. And maybe not with God, maybe with friends, or if you do this and I'll do that, that's a contract, right? But sometimes it's, well, God, if you show yourself this way, then I'll worship you. And really, when we worship him, we experience him. And he shows more of himself to us. So if I want to see a generous God, I become generous. I experience him as generous. He takes care. And then it, it, it keeps going. I'm telling you, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm a fanatic with praise and worship. Because when I worship him, I'm telling you, I experience more of him. That's why. You see, somebody came to me recently and and um, they were having a, they were having a, a they were having a, a crisis of faith. They were having a crisis. Listen, crises of faith happen. You doubt, or God feels far away. Am I right? It happens every now and then. That that's it's that's not a sin. It's what you do with it. But they said this something interesting to me. They looked at me and said, "But when I worship God, I know." He's real. They said, I'm having all these issues up here in my head about verses and Bible and history and church, but when I worship him, he's real. And I just looked at them in all sincerity and I said, don't stop worshiping. Don't stop honoring him. When you adore him, when you venerate when you're in complete awe, he shows up in great ways because we're loving what he loves. And we take bold steps of obedience. So yeah, those who fear God are going to love what he loves. Pursuing godliness and fearing God. When we fear him, his unfailing love is there. And he loves cheerful giver. He loves people. He loves unity. He loves obedience. That's my best shot at what God loves. And so this is why at Bridge City Church, this is what we do. And in our connection groups that are just launching this week, it's a group of friends that get together and read the Bible and pray, and they help one another live out John 14, 21. Because we're going to help reveal God to one another. So he shines upon us. How many of y'all could use a little more of Jesus shining on your life? Come on, anybody? Anybody? Dare 
to just take a step of obedience and watch what he does in a great way. Hey, if you heard anything helpful, anything good to you today, just stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. If you heard anything at all, say, man, that was helpful to me. I understand the fear of God. And I'm going to read one more verse to you. Uh, Acts chapter 9, Acts 9, 31. Here it is. Wow. Right in, in Acts here, the, then the church. This is in, in, the, in the middle of several, several years into the, the book of Acts and the history of Jesus' church. Several years in. The church then had peace throughout Brighton Heights and North Braddock and White Oak and Murraysville. Well, really through Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And it became what? Stronger. It became stronger As the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. How are we going to get stronger at Bridge City Church? In the fear of the Lord. Awe, reverence, hallowed be thy name. That's what it is. And with the encouragement, the counsel, the help of the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. How many of y'all want to grow in the fear of God. How many of you just you, you have an appetite for that? I do. Lord God, I pray, Father, for every person right here in this room right now, Lord God. God, we just here, we want to grow in the fear of God. We want to grow in who you are. We want to grow in that intimate knowledge of who you are, Jesus. We want to experience you, God, in a real way. And God, I pray, Father, that Bridge City Church would be a place where we grow stronger in the fear of the Lord and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, that we love what you love and we hate what you hate. And Lord God, may we live our lives as if we're going to stand before you and give an account. God, let that be done in such a way that brings honor and glory and pleasure to you, Father. Now, if you're here today, I just want to tell you right now that God loves you. So much so that he sent his only son, Jesus, to leave heaven, come to earth, live a sinless life, die on the cross, one of the most horrible, crucial, oh man, horrible deaths ever could known. Beaten, upon, beaten beyond recognition for you. So that you could have forgiveness of your sin. And Jesus could lead you into your future. God, I pray over every person here today. The Lord God, they're struggling. They're, there's this tension in their life. They want to believe, but they, they're lacking belief. And they want God, help their unbelief. Help show yourself to them even today, God. And for all of you here today, that you want today to be your day, that you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Lead me into my future. I just want you to do something right now in this moment. I just want you just to slip up your hands and say, Pastor, that's me right now. I want today to be my day. I want today. I got to have today. Anybody at all in the house today, thank you, Jesus. I have to offer that. Thank you, Lord. Bless God. God, I thank you, Father. Lord God, I pray, Father, that at Bridge City Church, we're going to see in the weeks to come, as a result of growing in the fear of God, many, many, many people, be in love with Jesus Christ and experience him in a real way. Become born again in the kingdom of heaven. If that's you today and, and you just, hey, didn't want to raise your hand, you get one of those cards that you got on your way in, there's a little spot on there. I want Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of my past and leader to my future. You just check that off. You put your name on there. 
put it in the, in the basket in the back as your offering to God in Jesus' name. Hey, one more thing I want to do today, and I want to pray over our group leaders. For all our group leaders and coaches and uh, apprentices that are in the house today right now, could you make your way up here? I want to pray over you. These are the people that are first responders. They're going to be living out a uh, living. Yeah, turn around and face all the people. They want to see your faces there. Yeah, there we go. These are great, great people. They're, um, they're going to be leading groups and, and students and young adults and, and not-so-young adults and everybody else. And, and um, I just want to, first of all, recognize these people and say thank you so much for your service, for your, your, your giving of your time, your talent, your energy, for coordinating groups of friends that get together and read the Bible and pray and help one another take your next step. Could you pray over them with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for each group leader. I pray, Father, um, just as you put your, your word in 1 Corinthians 12 says you put each one in the body as you see fit, I pray, God, that you're going to put all of us into groups, into all these groups as you see fit for your glory, your honor, your praise, so that we could learn the fear of God together and we could take bold steps of faith together and that, that your church would be one without spot or wrinkle or blemish, God. God, let these group leaders model the fear of God, lead us in the fear of God, Lord God, and lead our church in a great and mighty way as their first responders to, the, to your precious people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all can grab your clipboards and get to your place on the wall. In just a moment, they're going to move, and there's all these different posters around. And if you're new here, there's, these are different groups that are going to meet over the next 14 weeks over the next 14 weeks, all the way up through December. And uh, a lot of them are going to be reading books together or doing certain studies together. Some of them are just going to be discussing what, what, what's communicated on Sunday morning. But I'm asking you, I'm, I'm just pleading with you, get yourself into a group. Jesus, one of the first things he did was he got himself a group. How many of y'all know if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me? Come on. I mean, that's what he did. One of the first things he did. So Lord... Thank you for the people here today. I just release a blessing upon every person here today. A blessing from heaven. Lord God, just let each person get into each group. Lord God, to please and honor you in a very real way. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, y'all are so great. Next week is going to get good. Hating what God hates. That's the next up on the agenda. Hey, make your way around. There's people all around the auditorium here. You can ask them questions. You can say, when does your group meet? What are you discussing? There's ladies groups and then uh, some co-ed ones, uh, young adult and students and uh, men's over to your left. Hey, you're released in the love of Jesus. Let's have a great, great, awesome day and go Steelers.